Cosmic Potato Studios, welcome to That Star Trek Podcast. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. Now, on with the show. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of That Star Trek Podcast, your one-stop pod for reviews, dissections, theorizing, and generally all things Trek. This week, we are discussing a potentially a very special episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, a franchise first. This is Season 2, Episode 9, titled Subspace Rhapsody, a full-on musical episode. Written by Dana Horgan and Bill Walkoff, directed by Dermot Downs, with music by Tom Pulse and Kay Hanley. Uh, I am joined by my uh, standard complement of of podcasting crew. I'm going to go in counterclockwise order and welcome Neek Yeager. How are you? Are you saying our emotions constitute a security threat? Always. Especially mine. Also joining us, we have Rick. How are you? All systems stable. Very nice. Very nice. I've been working on that all afternoon. <laughs> joining us as well from Captain Game Show, John Irons. How are you? I forgot to look up a song. 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 <laughs> a song. Song. <laughs> a song. 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 I ain't, I ain't got no song. No song. <laughs> and, and rounding out the crew this week, we have my brother Tom Madison. How are things? I thought this was all rehearsed until I started singing. <laughs> until he started podcasting. He thought, okay. As we always do, I'm going to go around the table. We're going to get a quick, I'm going to try to start calling this the thumbs up, thumbs down section of the show where we do a quick overview of what everyone thought of the episode going back around in reverse we're going to start with tom what did you think of this week's episode of star trek strange new worlds i liked it better than i thought i would um 
just hearing that, I thought this is going to be such a gimmick, and the the trick purist in me was aghast at the idea of a musical episode. But I got over that pretty quick. Good to hear. I I suspect that a lot of people were feeling the the same way, both before and after the episode. So I I do not believe you are in the minority with that. John, what did you think of this episode? Are you requesting that we say thumbs up or thumbs down as a summary? Uh, n- not necessarily. You feel free to, but it is not an obligation. Uh, I would I would say thumbs up. Uh, overall, I enjoyed it. Um, I am not a Trek purist, as you may have noticed. Uh, so they got a halfway decent explanation as to why something is happening. Um, that's fine. Um, my biggest complaint with the songs is that not that they were singing I, I appreciate that that was fine uh, but I felt like too many of the songs were too similar that's that my biggest issue with the, the episode frankly I, I can I can see that I, I hadn't thought of it but as you mentioned it you're absolutely right and I'm surprised that I, I'm, I realized it under the surface subconsciously I'm surprised that it wasn't a bigger deal to me especially with the uh, amount of experience I have in musical theater I'm, I'm surprised to myself um, you did mention having a, uh, I think you just said a, a halfway decent explanation for why things were happening, and and then they went with it. Yeah. I, I described it oh, as fine. a as a hand wavy America centric plot device to explain what was happening because I I was puzzled by that statement actually. America centric because it's from the American songbook or American style musicals. You mean? Uh, more because it's from American style musicals, which uh, yes was inspired by the Great American Songbook. I mean, you you wouldn't try something that's just you know orchestral, instrumental, maybe just like t- tones, chords. You're going to jump straight to show tunes. It 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 seemed an odd move on Uhura's part, but that that's fine. Whatever. What I what I didn't love, and Rick, I promise we're going to jump right to you. But I'm, I'm, I'm throwing I'm fine. I, I'm throwing this in now because it sets a foundation for for the discussions moving forward. Uh, with the the new reality that's being created by this quantum improbability, uh, they decide that it's following the, the the rules and the the standards of musicals. Well, mm-hmm. what kind of musical? And how does this alternate reality universe know to pick American style musicals from the 20th century? There's I will give you, will give you a lengthy just explanation on that one if you want. No, it, well, the lengthy explanation is going cool. to boil down to that's what the writers wanted to do. No, no, uh, not at all. Well, we'll we'll, we'll see. We'll come back I, around I to it. I won't when be we lengthy, I, I, but I can we're, I can uh, comprehensive about that. <laughs> <laughs> when we get to the section where we discuss um, uh, the plot, not the music, but the plot, then we'll we'll get to that. But first, Rick, general thoughts. What did you think of the episode? Like Tom, when I first heard there was going to be a musical episode, I had to chew holes in my tongue and my keyboard to not openly scream obscenities into the internet because I have been accused, probably rightfully so, of being a grump in such areas. And I decided I would, after how wonderful the uh, Lower Decks crossover was, I would, I would trust that this creative team could pull this off and also we you know we had the 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 precedent that uh the buffy musical episode once more with feeling was wonderful however we also had the precedent that the 
uh, the uh, Supergirl Flash musical crossover, which should have been awesome given the cast, was abysmal. Not so, as bad as you say it was. I disagree. Agree to disagree. <laughs> um, so I was I was on the fence about this one. I was secretly optimistic and hoping it would be great, and it was beyond fantastic. It was they gave us an explanation which is all I needed as I've said on many instances before if you're going to create a, a, a weirdness explain it, set the rules and then go with it and they did uh, the songs were fun for the most part the performances were great and when they when it was clear like Mbenga who <laughs> is not a singer and even said I don't sing they gave him like two sung lines and then went on um, so it was, it, I think it, it, it hit every mark it needed to, and it was just absolutely fun. And finally, Neek, what did you think of the episode? I love Star Trek and I love musicals. Two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. On my first watching, I just thought it was so much fun. My second watching was Agony because I was trying to write my recap, which was Agony. My third watching, I was just absolutely delighted because I watched it after spending the entire afternoon watching musical episodes of TV shows that are not musical in nature. And I thought it was just as good as Buffy's. Yeah. I would say it <laughs> Close. It was, it was very good. It was very good. <laughs> now, before we go any further, can I yeah. address... Your, your concern earlier about the American musical template. Okay, we'll, we'll lay that down first and, and okay. use that as a base. Speaking as a theatrical teacher, which means I have been uh, both willingly and not willingly in uh, uh, steeped in theatrical uh, history, the musical comedy, which is the style that this episode was using is a uniquely American creation. The first, arguably the first musical in the sense that we think of musicals now uh, was Oklahoma where the, the difference was there were plenty of plays that had music in them, but the songs were incidental. They had nothing to do with the plot. They were just musical breaks in the story. Oklahoma had the songs further the story. The songs were part of the story. They weren't incidental. They were about, they were the characters singing songs about what was happening to them. And that is a uniquely American thing. Now, other countries are doing it, you know, have, have done it since with, you know, wonderful success. But to say that because they are using the musical comedy template makes it American centric. Now, I, I won't argue with you that Star Trek is American-centric. It always has been. You know, Star Trek has always been, yay, America, good guys, we're the best, what we do is awesome, and until it's not, and that's not wrong. But the the the, the American musical is, it, it's, you know, it's, we don't have a whole lot that we can lay claim to culturally or, or with cuisine. <laughs> or much of anything that we can say is uniquely created in the U.S., but the, the, the musical comedy is one of those things. 
Okay. Tom, I know that you've also got experience in uh, in musical theater and a uh, a broader and deeper education in music than I would think the rest of the panel. Do you have anything that, that you want to add to that? Um, it, it made me wonder if, <coughs> excuse me, if, if uh, when we see a musical, if it's just this uh, alternate dimension that's poking through ours, uh, and that, that's our exposure to the multiverse. Um, <laughs> No, I, and I I see what um, what Rick was saying, and, and he he's totally right on all on um, all that. Or Judd, um, but <laughs> I played uh, early in high school, by the way. <laughs> okay. uh, Stagehand here, but um, I, I think Scott was probably you were probably asking more of why was it this a musical you know, 20th century American musical besides the obvious thing of, you know, producers and cost and, you know, or studios and uh, kind of like why everything was uh, using the back lot uh, at uh, Desilu, but <laughs> right. Uh, that as opposed to like the, you know, why wasn't it a Klingon opera or, the- you know, more of an in-universe explanation, which is what I was referring to. I mean, I I want to make it clear. I absolutely accepted it when Uhura said, then we're probably following the rules of musicals. Okay, that is the reasoning that they're setting up. It just seemed very, very convenient that the in-universe explanation just happened to line up with what we now would make as a musical episode, if that makes sense. <clears throat> which... I, like I said, it's, it's hand wavy, which means it's good enough. They just they they gave an explanation. It doesn't necessarily make perfect sense in universe, but it's good enough to get the episode going. So I accept it. It just seemed a little a little thin from I, I, from a story. I don't understand why you think that. Though. <clears throat> well, I mean, well, I I would have preferred if that scene where Hura says we're following the rules of a musical, if someone had been a bit confused, everyone was just like, oh, okay. If someone had pushed back and been like, what do you mean by that exactly? And like, how, like, what are the rules of a musical and and how would that affect this reality? If there was just a bit more of a discussion, I always enjoy the Technobabble in Star Trek. So if they'd just done a little bit more of that, I would have preferred it. But you know, I understand, yeah, they've done the hand wave and let's mm-hmm. just go with it. And so I was happy to go with it. But I, I do think, again, a, a little bit of a missed opportunity to have a little bit of a, a techno babble scene. To, to give it just just a little bit more depth. Like if if the Vulcan or the Illyrian in the room had stood up and said, what the hell's musical? They might well, not be as familiar as the others are. Oh, well, well, pill- Pelia, Pelia grew up on Earth, so and in yeah, in but but Michigan Una, or, or Una well, is the Illyrian. Yeah, but Una has already established that she oh, loves oh, well, Robert and Sullivan. Oh yeah. yeah, okay. Well, yeah, okay. Then that was a bad example. But but my example, of Spock, still stands. And <clears> and <throat> and Spock doesn't really know because Uhura is throughout the episode. Make you like they should have explained at the beginning. I feel like they did that throughout the episode. So because Spock, I think he, he asked her, "Okay, so how do we trigger? What's the? Mm-hmm. What does that mean?" It's like, mm-hmm. "Well, musicals happen when there's emotional things." Like, okay, so mm-hmm. like what? And then then they go into the bar. 
So that's that's a good point. I, I think is, is your he's problem not, he's that he's not as familiar. I, I'm sure he doesn't listen to a lot of musicals. <laughs> is Probably. your problem that Ahura first when they said, "All right, let's send some music out," she picked "Anything Goes." It that it's in in the same vein that she would pick that song and it and that the alternate reality would follow the rules of musicals. Those, those are both connected. Whereas I, from a scientific approach, if you're going to send music. You want to send something with lyrics and not just like a, a simpler tune. Send a melody. This, okay. <laughs> Close encounters, just on the. Hey, well, see, there you uh, go. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I honestly I mean, don't, I, I don't understand your, your, what, what would they, what else would they have done? Yeah, the, they were, this was their 13th attempt. They had tried a whole bunch of stuff. She was literally just like, well, no, let's try this. It wasn't She like, might have just been listening to Anything Goes that morning. She's like, all right, yeah, uh, it, we'll do this one. It wasn't, that they weren't doing this, like, scientifically. They were like, well, let's let's see, let's see what this is. Let's just try one of these. That's they fair. didn't, I don't think they especially expected anything different to occur. Like, yeah, let's, let's try it. That's fair. And I, I would say. Spock literally said, just pick something, whatever. Pick something. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say the the scientific explanation of why they're in a musical episode is pretty shaky and doing this rules of musical is like the thinnest, you know, uh, most dangerous part of this explanation. So uh, I can't even remember where the reference is, but the less you think about it, the better. Yeah. Well, and and also (laughs) best not to think about it too much. Yeah, that goes well, for you all too. Well, yes. some, but something that we have we have complained about on this show, I think, is that anytime Star Trek has music that predates, well, anytime they have music that the characters are listening to, it's always something that's been in the public domain for three hundred years. So you know, it's like some you know Mozart or some something like that. The fact that you know anything goes is absolutely not public domain impressed me just from the get go that they picked a song anybody would know from a show that is still happening. Mm-hmm. I just presumed that that was Nichelle Nichols version of it. I, no, I, it I did like a, it wasn't as too bad. Yeah. I, I would have loved cool. to have heard her, but that <laughs> oh, wasn't her. Yeah. No, another missed opportunity. Now this is something since you mentioned Nichelle, I had totally, I'm glad you mentioned her because, and I don't expect any of you to have an answer. Maybe folks out there because this, this was recorded so long ago. And I got I got a little misty eyed talking to my wife about this. I wonder if Michelle got to see this because I'm sure she would have absolutely adored it. Yeah. It's a and fair I, that, question. There's, there's, yeah, there's no answer to it. I just that, it, it's an absolute fair question. I I suspect that the answer is no. That either they they made the episode and and were producing it uh, after she passed, or there was no opportunity for her to see it, hear it, and and be exposed to it before she passed because if I suspected if she had seen it and if she had anything to say about it that would have been worked into like the ready room or some of the post-release uh, uh, press about it I presume she didn't see the final episode but she might have been on set when they were shooting it hmm. Yeah. now as far as the explanation for why this alternate reality is following musical rules that discussion took about six times longer than i really intended it to because i 
really meant for it to be just like you know, a mention and then move on from there. So back to the structure of notes. We're going to start by discussing the music overall. Now, there had been discussion before we recorded this episode over the past couple days of doing a song by song breakdown, which is not going to happen tonight. We might do separate episodes discussing the individual songs as supplemental podcast material to get our listeners through until Lower Decks premieres uh, in the near future. So Chris for today, wants to do it. yes, Chris wants to do it very much. Uh, so for today, let's just. And uh, in, but discuss the, the the music overall, not necessarily the individual songs. Um, what what did everyone think of of the book for this particular episode? John, I want to start with you. Um, like I said, I I didn't think that any song was bad, but I thought that a lot of the songs were just too similar, and I don't mean in a you know reprise kind of way. Like I understand how musicals work <laughs> but like these are supposed to be like different songs from different people and a lot of them just sounded just way too much alike to me in, in, in tone in in melody um, in the way the lyrics were written um, the first one the first song the why are we singing song I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say the actual titles I don't know the titles of the songs but I hope you know what I'm referring to. The why are we singing song is what that one's called. Okay, uh, <laughs> that's the only like, one I know the name of. It's it's on Amazon, by the way, already. the The soundtrack mm-hmm. is on Amazon Music. Uh, the grand finale, uh, and and again, like I'm, I, I'm, I can, like I'm thinking back to the scenes, and I can remember the songs. Or I can remember. It's it's more that I remember. Um, what the characters were saying in each song, like the, like the character developments or the character arc that happened during the song, more than the particular songs themselves, for the most part. Uh, Chapel song in the bar stands out. Spock's song, not so much the song, but the delivery of it uh, stand out to me. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to count Uhura's starting the song as part of the grand finale her individual song was okay but again none of them were bad um, but some of them were more memorable to me alright I, I'm i not sure I'm going to be able to agree with you on Uhura's song being dot 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 okay but we can we, we can come back around to that she's uh, a great singer I'm yes. That. Yep. There's also that. Um, uh, Neek, music-wise, mu- musical you know, I, or what'd you think? I don't disagree with you, John. I think you're right that the the songs were a little bit too samey. Um, but I was impressed by the singing, and actually, my first time watching it, I wasn't, and I sort of was thinking like, wow, oh, like I was I was being pretty critical. But then, having spent the afternoon like watching other shows that did this, I was like, "Oh, holy shit! Like Star Trek did well. <laughs> These guys are like so good compared to the Buffy cast. I mean, no one in Buffy could sing, and I mean, you could say all the more credit to them for giving it their best effort and having it be so good in spite of that. But sometimes those episodes, when they when the cast can't sing, it can be 
tough, especially, again, Buffy being an example where, you know, the demon character obviously is a professional singer. And so the contrast, anytime he sings, it just draws even further attention to how bad everyone else is. And it becomes cringy. Whereas in Strange New Worlds, I feel like, I mean, yes, Christina Chong and, and Celia Rose Gooding were the best singers. And so they did have, you know, big solos. So that makes sense. But everyone else held their own. Everyone else was pretty good. And they wisely, you know, they didn't give a song to Mbenga, for instance, because obviously he can't sing. And so good choice, you know? I thought he did fine in the few lines that we got. I would have been yeah, okay again, with more. Again, he did fine with what he was given. But clearly the, you know, the more show-stopping numbers, if you will, were given to the people with the best voices. And even the, even like, I thought Pike was actually quite good and he didn't really get much. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that could, that brings us to the eternal conversation of where the heck is Pike this season? We can get to that later, but yeah. I'm I'm crossing my fingers that they wrote a full version of that song without La'an cutting off communications and they'll release it as like a bonus yeah. someday just because I want I want the whole song. <laughs> but but to get back to the songs, I as much as like the, the Klingon singing was sort of the missed opportunity for opera, what I did like about that song is that to your point, John, it was different. It was like a a K pop song or, or yeah. like an NSYNC song or something. And I, I kind of felt like Again, missed opportunity. Why not have the two Kirks have a little boy band number? I was fully expecting the two Kirks to have because <laughs> so, they, they were they started to bicker a little bit and they looked at each other and then they cut. I'm like, what? Are they not gonna? All right, fine. Yeah, yeah, like that, Nick has hit on on two of the notes that I had. One, no Kirk Brothers song? Question mark. I have that There's a perfect opportunity in the in the transporter room and um, when she mentioned a missed opportunity for Klingon opera, which I uh, I I think we should. Uh, from here on out referred to as as q-pop because k-pop is is popular music in korea this is klingon so it's from chronos q apostrophe of course pop q-pop that's that's what i think it is it's I, the best choreography yeah, <laughs> yeah or k-pop <laughs> i also enjoyed in in that section of the song uh if you look closely the background that the klingons are are dancing in front of it's the Rite of Ascension ceremonial chamber from the holodeck in TNG season two, when Worf has his Ascension ceremony and nice. he gets hit with all the pain sticks. It's it's that room, just without the without the Klingon warriors on either side. Hmm. They just projected that as the background. I'll have to go back and look at that. I didn't notice that. <laughs> all right, Tom, dig back into your musical experience. What did you think of uh. the song? Um, I so before watching the episode, I saw just the like thumbnail preview image of Neek, uh, Neek Cap, where I, I believe that's the one that uh had the comment about Bach getting the very first song and being one of the weaker singers. And I had to respectfully, um, actually disagree with you, uh, on that one. The first song didn't highlight it, but uh, it really the his other one, the "I'm the X." Mm-hmm. He just had this really impressive uh, vocal range and control, and and going this this upper register stuff, and then drop down to the uh, 
the low pitches and I mean he's you know from a, a you know a musical standpoint it it was really impressive um, so that that got the technical music wonk out of the way so overall uh, I did think um, John's comment I, I it was nagging in the back of my head while I'm watching it and John you put it into words how a lot of the, the songs did sound very similar um, they didn't have um, a lot of variety of styles in there but what they did and uh, what they put in there what the the actors performed uh, I thought was really impressive if we're going to list uh, missed opportunities it's to have the not just the ensemble number like they did at the end but the the ensemble um, where mm-hmm. got all the multiple different lines going on separate in the counterpoint and there's a good musical mm-hmm. term there so uh, that's what I was hoping to see so, uh, a lot of good things to say about it musically mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm on board with what uh, most everyone is saying I, Tom I 100% agree with you about uh, uh, Ethan pulling off his, his solo um, at as a as a bass, I was impressed because I'm I'm not sure that I'd be able to do it as as well as he did, and I've been singing for a long, long time. Um, what what struck me as a little odd. This might be a bit of a hot take, and hopefully, no one's going to get too mad about it. But I felt that to give Rebecca Romaine two full songs, one with Kirk and one with La'an, where she is doing uh, a vast majority of the of the singing in the song with Kirk and all of the singing when she's uh, singing to La'an, while Celia and Christina Chong only get one song each. I felt it was a bit of an imbalance because while Rebecca Romaine is good, she's just good. I was not. I was, not I was not blown away, nor was I overly impressed by by either of her songs. But Christina and Celia absolutely floored me. The only thing that I felt got in the way of their two songs really being amazing was not them, but it was the song itself. It was the the tune for Laan's song and. Uh, well, actually, yeah, it was it was the tune for both of them. Just the, the way the songs were written just didn't quite reach the level that I was hoping that they would. Um, though uh, Jess Bush, I thought, did did a, a fine job with her song. Um, I, I liked the dancing, and, and the tune was nice. I'm not sure if her vocal style completely fit what they were going for, but she, she did do an impressive job. Um, and with Ethan doing essentially the same tune, but just in a different style, um, I thought he was really great. And I agree with Neek. Uh, we need more Pike. Need more Pike. I wish I wish he had gotten to do some more singing. I I did notice that he kind of changes his pronunciations of things when he's singing. <laughs> Put it all on me. <laughs> and anyway, he seems um, to be pushing. Uh, uh, pushing and sliding some of those notes a little bit mm, uh, yeah that, that's one where i really got those dr horrible vibes from uh you know it's a very yeah similar technique there mm-hmm. i 
I have a suspicion that of the entire cast, while getting ready to do this musical episode, I suspect that Anson Mount is probably the least experienced as far as singing goes. And if I'm right, then you know all the more impressive because he 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 did a fine job if he's not a singer. Um, and also Babs, eh, I, I think he he could have done more if they if they decided to. But I I also think based on what little he had to say in the uh, the the latest episode of the Ready Room, he probably didn't want to sing all that much. Yeah, that's that's the impression I got. Yeah. Rick, what did you think of the music overall? I I, th- I think that uh, what what John was saying is is right. It's clear that this episode that that the songs were written by the same couple of people. Um, you know, they got. It, 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 I don't remember. Was it was it John? Was it you or was it Chris that said, "Watch this with the with the subtitles on"? That was me. It was you. Yeah. Um, and Chris agreed that he had, he, that that was his plan. Yeah, when with with these episodes, I always watch it the first time. My wife and I watch it on the on TV without the subtitles and just enjoy it. And then when I go back and rewatch for show prep, I watch it with the subtitles on. And I'm glad I did because there's a lot of information in the songs, and I appreciate that the songs are integral to the plot. They move the plot along, um, but they're not earworms, despite what Uhura said at the end. Um, I wasn't kidding when I said I, I was working on that that all system stable because not because it's a hard piece. I've been singing since high school myself. Uh, I am a trained singer, but the tune the 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 music for this show is so forgettable. <laughs> that I had to work to make sure I could remember those four notes or five notes. One, two, three, four. Um, I, you know, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Um, I think it worked. I, I was a little disappointed in both uh, Celia and uh, uh, Christina's songs because they did not push them at all. They, you know, the, they could have both just done so much more with it. Celia, especially her her last number. Um, What's it called? Not her last number, but her her solo number. Um, Keep us connected. Yeah. Um, towards the end, she got to actually go up to kind of the the, the upper register that she's capable of, and she has a, a couple of moments where it's just like, "Girl's got lungs for days." Um, but I know that Christina Chong can do a whole lot more than what they gave her, uh, and and Celia probably could too, but. You know, a a a a, a door blasting, roof collapsing solo number is maybe not what they were looking for for this episode. I one of the things that maybe the thing that this episode did best was incorporate the story, uh, the various storylines into the songs. Yeah, um, and so. As far as Uhuru's song, I interpreted that as because at the beginning of the song, she's not confident. You know, it is about how she's not sure if she's enough. She keeps to herself. She keeps her head down. And upon her realizing the importance of the role that she plays and how much she is the voice and the ear of the of the ship, mm-hmm. that's when she builds it out. So I was fine with it. Yeah, I, I thematically. 
I, I don't want to say that like it, it it decreased my enjoyment of it. It was it just kind of felt like you're you're in you a Ferrari and you're doing forty miles an hour. If if that 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 was actually a really bad way to put that, but I understand. Yeah, because uh, they can both just absolutely do so much more, and and, and I was. This may come as a shock, Neek. I was a little disappointed with with Jess Bush's number. I love the number, but it was clear that she's not a singer. So they kept it, you know, in the you know, I one thing I really like, and you you mentioned Dr. Horrible Tom. I thought I got Dr. Horrible Horrible vibes from the get-go on this. And one of the things I love the most about Dr. Horrible is Felicia Day. Uh her that was the first time I'd ever seen her do anything. And as as a, as a person who works in theater, if I haven't mentioned that before, do you get that, folks? <laughs> um, one thing that drives me crazy with musicals is they tend to keep the the the, the women way up in the in the upper ranges, and you know sometimes it works, like uh, you know Adele hitting that note in. Um, in uh, uh fro- in let it go in frozen is just incredible um but sometimes it's just you know it would be nice for the songs to not only be heard by the dogs in the neighborhood and so in dr horrible all of felicia day's songs are in a lower key and and it's and it's still fantastic she's a wonderful singer who doesn't have to climb through the roof to show off and so hearing Jess Bush sing in the lower register was great, but then it she kind of it was kind of monotonous through the whole thing. And I, I love the choreography choreography and that number is fantastic and it's visually stunning and there's a lot of wonderful acting and, and dancing and stuff in in, in the, the, the mess hall or the bar or whatever that is. Uh, there was one moment where one of the <laughs> one of the uh, people that picks up another person and I was afraid they were going to hit that chandelier thing. They were like that close to it. Um, it's 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 fantastic, but none of the music in there really stuck with me. Which I it, it maybe that's an unfair criticism, but it's, nope, it's just not catchy. Fair. You don't walk away from it going, yeah, all system stable. I mean, I literally had to sing that over and over again for a couple hours just to make sure I I got the notes right because mm-hmm. they're not that they're not that intuitive. Every musical you want there to be at least one number that people are going to be humming out the door into the yeah. lobby in the car on the way home. That's the tune that sticks with them because they can't shake it. It's because it's so catchy. And this one, this episode didn't really have one of those, which is a, a shame. But you know. Yeah. I think that's a your mileage may vary uh, situation. And I think it had one, maybe two, but like it was chock full of songs. Like they they, they didn't, they didn't like sprinkle songs throughout the episode. It was like almost back to back. Like, Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons I think there may have been missed opportunities and I don't disagree with y'all, but this was, we have to keep, we have to keep in mind, this was made almost two years ago. And, we feel like streaming shows have all the time in the world and, and they're, you know, they're, they're not constrained by network boundaries, but they still had to get this show done in a certain amount of time. And so there may have been a full, 
you know, they may have wanted to do a full Klingon number. They may have wanted to do a, a, a the two Kirks number. You know, we have no idea how many things ended up getting cut before they could shoot it for time and money. I mean, it's it's a forty-two minute show, or for you know, whatever these run at. I, I haven't. This one, them, but this was a sixty-two minute episode. Okay, so but even that, that's that's a short musical. That's not a whole lot of time to cram mm-hmm. everything you want to do in, plus the non-musical stuff, plus the story. Uh, and you know how how many musicals have you ever seen where one of the main lines is "I need to change my paradigm"? I love that. that I, I I like that too, and that and that speaks to trying to move move along the plot, move along that particular piece of of character development, which leads us very nicely into the next section of our discussion, where we're going to talk about not the music but the plot, the the overall story plot and the individual character plots that are furthered throughout the episode, both in dialogue and in song. And I, I jotted down a quick list of the different storylines and aspects that, that are furthered in this episode. Um, we have Kirk learning some command lessons from Una in a song. Uh, La'an is realizing that she needs to open up a little bit and then later uh, is being told by Una that that's a good idea because I didn't do that and it made me sad. Uh, we have Christine in in a full bar in front of her boyfriend saying loud and clear that she's prioritizing her career growth and has no time for Spock's drama. We have Uhura learning that she is important to the ship and she does have a purpose. Um, Pike is still a bad boyfriend. I, he just is. He is not learning lessons because he's basically screwing up here the same way that he... Uh, screwed up earlier in the season. Um, and then an absence of the Kirk brothers uh, working out their differences in verse. Um, did I miss any? Do you guys uh, recall any plot lines that were not in that list? Or is there something from that list that you in particular want to discuss? Um, I liked in um, Una's song about keeping secrets how they the camera, even though it was Una singing, the camera showed the various characters who are keeping secrets, most specifically Mbenga. I liked that there was that follow-up to Under the Cloak of War, that you see, you know, he and Chapel look at each other and they're both like, hmm, yeah, like we are keeping a secret. And her line at that moment is something like, it's secret, they keep you awake and cuts like a knife. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was well done. Indeed, cuts like a knife. I get, I get it, because there was, there was a, it, okay. Um, yeah, I I loved the 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 private conversation. Yeah, that, that was one of my favorite numbers, uh, and the fact that both of them are horrified that they're doing it in front of their crews. Uh, it, that that I thought that was beautiful. Just. One of the things that I think saved this episode from being cringy is the fact that all the way through it, they were all appalled that they were doing it. And it was, it was never, it was never normal. I was, I was going to say that it is a problem to be solved. Yeah. And and they spend the episode trying to solve the problem. That That's the only way it works. Yeah. And, and they're, they're being aware of what's happening. It was like, it's not so bad. Like I kind of like, the freedom but like no everybody's like no this is not okay we, well we except uhura when she starts singing her first song 
she starts grinning and she's digging it. And I love that too, because that fit totally with her character. Well, at the, the group number at the end, when um, we're in engineering with Spock, La'an and Pelia, mm-hmm. both La'an and Pelia say, oh, we're going to miss this singing thing. And at the same beat, Spock is like, I am not going to miss no. this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. That, that was fun. Yeah, that was. was. I needed the closed captioning to catch that. And speaking right. of closed captioning, I, I was glad that I keep that on when I'm watching because I wouldn't have realized that during the course of Spock's solo, he refers to himself as the X, E-X, and then subsequently refers to himself as the X variable in these equations. That I, he's I caught that too. Around. I was like, the second time through, and that, that, was, that was brilliant. There's mm-hmm. a lot about this that's it's technically brilliant, even though it may not necessarily be catchy. Right. There, there's, yep. there's a lot of, of genius in the writing of this episode. Not necessarily the plot. The plot is sketchy as hell, but it's it's what it needs to be. It was enough. Um, I like that they went. All right, we're doing a musical episode. We're committing to it. There was there was no halfway about it. Yeah, they they took a big swing. That's for sure. Um, now, and, go ahead, Tom. I, I was just going to add that um, along with that the technical stuff. One little tiny thing that they added is. People could they, they they pointed out that the people there the crew the could hear the music, so it wasn't just an audience perspective, and they're just breaking into song, which is kind of the implication in in a lot of musical type situations. But a lot of times you see the actors looking up when the intro <laughs> notes were starting like the yeah. <laughs> because yeah. they they can hear the instrumentation. Yes, right. I was impressed by that. It, it, it was. I thought it was pretty subtle, but it was. I thought it was important to to adding to that storyline. Yeah. One thing I was impressed by because I kept expecting it and it never happened was after they figured out what was going on. Every time a song started, it would have been so easy to have everybody that was about to sing go, "Oh God!" But they didn't. There were no. There was no eye rolling, which. While in in the moment, I was like, why isn't anybody objecting to this? But stepping back from it, it was like, all right, that works. Because once the the uh, once the once the improbability field grabs them and they're going to start singing, they can't, they're in it. Can't and they, it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there were a couple, a couple takes after the fact that I didn't necessarily love. There was uh, th- their opening number, which... Now, if I'm not mistaken, the the first song ends and it cuts to credits, right? O- opening credits yes. started at yeah. Opening credits started after the opening number. By the we way, come, did y'all watch the opening, the the intro? Of course. Oh yeah. A nice vocal arrangement of the theme. Yeah. Very nice. I was so afraid they were going to do the the Roddenberry lyrics, and they didn't. I was very glad. <laughs> <of that. laughs> I, I was half expecting it. it whew, that would have been tough. <laughs> So the credits end. We come back to the episode, and the very first thing that happens is we have Pike saying, "Well, that happened." Yeah. <laughs> Gross. That I. Huh? It was. It was too it's easy. Because they're using modern slang, and Scott hates when they talk. No, no, no. It's, it was not the modern slang. It was the. It was the. The use of the already well overused. Well, that happened. That. It. It's over now. That. That, that phrase is done. Drop it because it's it's not funny anymore. It I don't like that turn of phrase. It bothers me. Um, Fair enough. And 
and not only that but it kind of repeated itself only without words because after the klingons do their number and the the channel closes pike turns around and looks at uhura and just just with his face he says oh that happened (laughs) well but he wanted that to happen that's why he held on oh yeah that's fair that's fair and and i want to thank neek by the way because i never would have known that the Klingon commander was the same actor that played Hemmer, uh, except yeah. for your kneecap. I didn't, I would not have <laughs> caught that. I, I caught him in the credits. And I was like, did, we didn't get any, we didn't get a flashback to Hemmer this time. That was episodes ago. What the, oh. I also liked um, Uhura mentioning Hemmer in her song. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you, Rick. Like the, the lyrically, a lot of the songs were great. Um, Techno babble uh, in music in as music is <laughs> probably yeah. one of I, a joy I didn't know I needed. <laughs> the 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 extended X and Y were were great. That was all good. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted more variety of melody. Yeah. You're, you're not wrong, and I, I think it's I think it's probably just a matter of not that they didn't have enough time. And the clean if we're talking about little nitpicks. Uh, after the Klingons did their song, it should have been them who severed the connection. It should have been, what? Uh, and then, <laughs> that's how it should have ended. More dishonor. Uh. Two things I want to say out just really quick. No, have nothing to do with the music. I just want to throw this out here because if I don't, there's like one person out there who's going to be disappointed in me. The Katinka class battle cruiser should not have been around for another 20 years. Um, but it looked gorgeous when they did the, the spinny stuff. So whatever. I completely agree with you, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? It cost me nothing. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're um, right. I, I, I trust you. Uh, yeah. It, it just, that was, that was the, the Katinga was contemporary with the, the enterprise refit and the, mo- and the motion picture. They should have been using D7s at this point. Yeah, um, yeah. But like you said, Canon is bullshit. Um, I loved how much we got to see of the engineering set. Uh, yeah, in, they, they spent the a past, lot of time there. I really love the look of it. In the past, I have been like, Jesus, it's like a freaking cavern. Because we only get like these really quick looks at it. But they spent a lot of time in engineering in this episode. And I, I was able to appreciate you know they've got the 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 the, the, i don't even know what you call them the 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 tubes sending the warp plasma to the nacelles which is actually a throwback to tos just on a much grander scale you've got the warp core in the middle of the room uh and then you've got these great like the, the the these uh uh that that v shape that they're using throughout the ship but inside there's ladders going up and I just, I really loved engineering for the first time because it's, it's been, it's been eluding me ever since discovery where they go to, when we, when we saw the enterprise in discovery and the the engine and in short tracks and the engineering was just this cavern with just a bunch of incomprehensible stuff in the background. This is gorgeous. I love engineering. That's what it should look like. It's beautiful. And I just, I really enjoyed it. And bunnies. And, and bunnies. <laughs> and bunnies. They, they, they made that Buffy reference 
it was unmissable. And what? I have a theory. Mm. Proceed. No, no they know, they were saying I have, I have a theory. Oh, that's the song. Okay, it has been a long time since I saw that episode, and I didn't see it by choice, so very little of it uh, remains. I I know that there was mention of bunnies, and that's something I need again. I need to thank you, Deek, because I had forgotten about Anya's fear of bunnies because <laughs> it's been forever since I watched Buffy too. <laughs> All right, I took down a few random notes here, and then I'm going to jump into uh, uh, the Christopher D. Philippus review that he sent and would like read on the show. Um, during uh, during Una's song to La'an, where they're in the, I think they're in the briefing room, and they're having that musical number, and La'an turns off, not La'an, but Una turns off the gravity for reasons unknown and they start floating around a bit and they give us they give us the exterior shot and we see the two of them through the windows floating around potentially some of the worst uh cgi we've seen on this show they looked they looked horrible what i disagree with you wholeheartedly sir i thought that was great great. when the when when the camera's outside the ship and you're looking at them through the windows it is not the actors it is digital representations of the actors, and they don't look like the actors. It looks I bad. Disagree. It's yeah, clearly it CGI, bad. but it's fine. I thought it was fine. <laughs> um, Wait, I, is this Chris or is this you? No, th- this is me. Okay. Um, I, I label Spock as the ultimate buzzkill for walking into Christine's celebration and saying, I would like to congratulate you. Did you forget to tell me, or are you purposely not telling me? I'm just curious. Spock is the ultimate buzzkill that canon. Yeah. And and then the fact that Christina, uh, uh, Christine, Christina, Christine sang the whole song as a purpose to just drive a spear through Spock at the end. Granted, he he earned it, but it was like, there, there should, yeah, that, that whole number was just. I interpreted that as sort of, you know, musical rules. If they hadn't been under the spell or whatever of the, improbability musical land she wouldn't have done something so cruel I I think she at the end of that number you see her face I think she realizes that she did a a bad thing in that moment yeah. I, I don't think she when he walks in the first thing she's saying is I feel bad celebrating when we're going through this and so I also think she would feel bad about dumping Spock in that way and also I didn't even interpret it as her dumping him it was just her saying of course I'm going to take this fellowship and like at no point does she say screw you I hate you I never want to see you again it's just like I'm ready to go do this job I'm ready to take my life in this direction and Mm -hmm. Spock is the one who overreacts and, and throws a hissy fit the, the the key line from the song is her, and I, I don't have the, the lyrics in front of me but her saying you know that this is a great opportunity for me and if i need to break up with you in order to do it i'm ready yeah and, and that's I'm, some... I'm ready is the end of that line but she essentially says if if this costs me us then it's the price i'll pay for this opportunity and she mm-hmm. lays that out very clearly and and the but the weird thing and I guess it's because, like, like again, like, like you said, Neek, Spock is seventeen emotionally at this point. She's only going to be gone for three months. This isn't like a permanent reassignment. She's just going on a dig for a while. 
so that was that was a little it just the whole end of that number that whole number was so jubilant and and wonderful and everybody was like yeah you deserve this you earned this you got this and she's like yes i did and fuck you <laughs> right at the end i i guess i viewed it as somewhere between uh you two rick and and Nique. um i i don't think she was intentionally cruel but I don't think that the whole number was I don't think the whole point of the number was to get to the point where she's like and like and you're not that important to me I think I interpreted it as her becoming more free and celebrating her freedom as the song went on and like she I, I think you know effectively she maybe didn't try to hold it back but she was trying to let she was trying to focus on the positive uh, throughout the song and at the end she was free enough like look if this is what it if this is the end of us then that's fine uh, but I don't think I think it was a journey to get to that point but I don't think that point was the point of the journey if that makes sense when she started yeah I, I think her admitting that she's willing to sacrifice her relationship with Spock in order to uh, to go on this uh, fellowship, I think that was incidental. It wasn't the point of the song, but it came out loud and clear by the end of it. So, yeah, but, and, yeah. And, I, I think the point of the song was was her to celebrate her accomplishment, and then incidentally, at the end of it, she's also said, "Oh, and I'm not going to let you get in the way." Well, and because like again, one of the things this episode does well is picks up from previous episodes, like this has been building like this isn't out of nowhere like Spock doesn't know how to handle frankly these emotions well and he doesn't know how to deal with being in a relationship like this and if she's not again typical 17 year old dude unless you are explicit in what you are saying they're going to either misinterpret or not get it like so so you mean you don't totally hate me? That means I have an in? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so why wouldn't you tell me? So why is, so why is like, but like, and she's like, okay, I just need, just give me some time and space. And like, he could have been supportive boyfriend. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Three months, see you in three months. But that's, he's already, and, and I don't mean to like, you know, minimize what he's going through. This is, this is, yeah, he's a 17 year old, but this is like, you know, this is huge for him. It's not he's not just a 17 year old kid he's someone who's effectively you know turning his back on his culture to have this relationship and as he says he's betraying his core um, philosophy of you know suppressing his emotion and putting logic first i guess some issues with the lyrics in that song actually i know that, I that's yeah earlier. that that is what he said yeah I, I praised the lyrics earlier but like there's parts that don't rhyme as well as they should they don't the schemes <laughs> but the the, the but. thing i think that is a little disconcerting about the number is that the christine we saw at the beginning of strange new worlds is totally this person who is like as soon as the person she's dating starts getting too clingy she runs away and and you know pushes off uh but then she and Spock, it was clear that she was feeling, and, and again, this, this may be, and 
you know, it may be the 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 musical thing bringing things out sooner than they would have, um, because it's you know she was feeling more for Spock than I think she wanted to, and so maybe this is the old Christine coming out more and saying I need to get away from this, and this is a good reason to get away from this, and you need to let me go. And since you're not, I need to kind of maybe be a little crueler about it than usual. Um, Nick, is it okay if I speak on behalf of women in response mm-hmm. to what you just said? Okay, okay, go ahead. The presumption that she is pursuing this opportunity based on how it's going to affect her relationship with Spock, as opposed to her pursuing this opportunity just because she's pursuing this opportunity that she's worked so hard for, um, I think is... Let's be kind and say unfair. No, that's and that's not what I was saying at all. I was not saying that the 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 opportunity she was using it as a way to get away from Spock. Oh, I'm misinterpreting because I thought that's exactly what you said. No, 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 not at all. No, she was she was uh, that that was that's a totally separate thing. It's the 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 fact that at the end of what I was saying at the end of the song, there's this you know wonderful jubilant song, and then at the end of it, she's yeah, I'm ready. And I'm 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 going, and it's the last couple of lines are directed right at Spock, and there's no no padding to it whatsoever, and that's that's more of the Christine we saw at the beginning of the series than who we've seen this season. I see what you're saying. Not not though the 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 job opportunity. There was no way she wasn't going to take it regardless of her but it's, she's almost using it as an excuse to break up with him like oh i'm i'm gonna go do this thing so oh i guess we just can't be together anymore oh well sort of that thing of uh i guess i i, I really wasn't saying that at all i i didn't interpret it that way so much as if you think me going away for three months is the end of us sucks to be you bye <laughs> okay okay At this point, I now relinquish the voice of women. (laughs) (laughs) You're a braver man than me. We know he's going to get his revenge because he's going to treat her like absolute garbage by the time they get to TOS. So, and and Tabring's going to leave him, and he's just going to all he's going to have is Kirk, (laughs) which is all he wants. All all he needs, all he wants. (laughs) I'm going to move on now and give everyone uh chris's take on the episode uh he sent this to me directly and these are the notes that he took down in real time as he was watching the episode so we will begin subspace rhapsody anything goes is that kate capshaw paul wesley's best kirk all privilege and microaggressions but charming and charismatic (laughs) repeated theme of quote showing real me unquote illustrates what a potential hell Starfleet meritocracy might be. Next, in all caps, Carolyn David! Exclamation point, which we did not mention yet, but I did take a note and I thought that was a, a nice moment. Rick has a look on his face like he does not understand what I'm talking about. Oh, that's the that's the wife and kid? Yeah, when, when Kirk is. Oh, when, Carol and I thought you yeah. said Caroline David. I'm like, oh, what the that's f- what I thought. Carol, Carol and David. And yes. David. Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. <laughs> I, I thought that was a really nice element for them to work in. Okay, back to Chris. 
Songs are not really organic or catchy. Maybe catchy on rewatch. Those fucking Klingons better sing some terrible opera. Absolutely a fucking sin that Uhura doesn't sing until 45 minutes in. This is after everyone has multiple numbers. I think she I was just in the missed. first number. Sorry. No. <laughs> Spock had the first number. Do you, do you want me to just mute everybody, including myself? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess it's, only, it's, only for, it's only for Chris's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just missed Nichelle. That was his, his wrap up to that thought. Next up, biggest flaw as a musical. You can't listen to this one alone and expect a complete story, a la Dr. Horrible. This is actually a great strength of the episode in-universe because we find the characters where they are at this point in the story and advance several key storylines. I appreciate it more because of that. Not a throwaway episode. A bottle episode, yes, but dismissive, not at all. Celia's number is the absolute showstopper. Tears of sadness, tears of joy. As far as I'm concerned, this entire episode exists for this moment in Trek history. My only fangret is that Uhura didn't get to share this moment with anyone, especially Spock, since Spock and Uhura have a special relationship in much of the TOS fiction I've read, both fan and pro, based on that one scene from Charlie X. Full disclosure, I adore Celia the way Rick adores Jess. <laughs> Auto-tune Klingons equals epic fail. And I think that I think I caught a couple of hints of autotune on on Rebecca. Yes, I yes I'm I I wasn't going to say anything, but now if I'm not the only one, yeah, I was I was picking that up too. Uh, Chris says if I may if I may add one last thing, Ari, Re Uhura and Spock, I completely forgot about them in the JJ verse until this very moment. And finally, his final thought on on the episode. One last thing, I have not seen any Buffy beyond the cheerleader statue episode. So I think he does not have the once more with feeling as a as a reference. Okay. And that is what Chris thought of the episode. And I, going into this discussion, I was ready to agree with him that Celia's number was the absolute showstopper because I, I was more impressed by that song than any of the others. I think after a second watch, while I think it's still the best song of the episode, it doesn't it doesn't bowl me over as much as I thought it did after my first watch. Yeah, see, I was just the opposite. It, it didn't hit me that hard the first time through, but the second time, especially towards the end of the song, it just, it just blew me away. Mm-hmm. It had what I thought was one of the most poetic lyrics when she is describing uh, the loss of her parents and, and sings it as they ruptured into a million shards of light. That that was a beautiful line. Nice. Mm-hmm. And with all that, I think we have stretched out this conversation long enough, but there's one last question I want to put out to everyone. And I put this in the notes that I shared earlier, and we can wrap up the episode on this. Uh, this musical episode, again, as stated earlier, a first in the Star Trek franchise. It was a big gamble as far as style. Are there any other genres that uh, the showrunners of either Strange New Worlds or any other uh, Trek series in production or or in the future? Any other genres that they might try that seem outside of the norm for, for standard Trek? This was a big swing. What other swings could they take? 
well, what could they take in the future or what have they already done in the past? Uh, what, what could they take in the future? It, it took them 57 years to make a, a musical episode of Star Trek. What's next? I don't know if there's anything left. I would argue that there was already too much music in Star Trek and Deep Space Nine. So to me, this wasn't as big of a swing as, as, as fans might claim. I feel like the seeds were there with Vic motherfucking Fontaine. <laughs> I'm not editing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like F bomb number twelve. We went uh, so long without him. I have been good. No, this is I, I did two this episode and I realized that, but I've been I haven't done any for the last three, so um not that I'm keeping track. <laughs> Chris is the potty mouth on this one. I, um Yeah, I feel like they've like I said, this is kind of the only genre left. They've done westerns, they've done sci-fi obviously they've, they've done, done comedies they've done rom-coms they've done um horror procedurals they've done, drama. they've done procedurals they've done you know cop shows and medical dramas like there's like is like what's left sitcoms yep transported to sitcom universe <laughs> well i mean look the the um engagement i mean dinner. lower decks is a sitcom yeah yeah all the Ferengi episodes were were con- were stops. like no I agree they've done everything so that's actually an interesting question what is there still to be done I don't like the idea of them doing things just to do them mm. um, I think it's good that in 57 years with the exception of a couple of numbers on DS9 and and there was there were there was that one Voyager one where the Herogen took over the ship and Seven of Nine had to be a torch singer in a Nazi bar mm. um this worked because we weren't expecting it and it was done well i think if we go down a path where we expect this kind of goofy shit to keep going on it's just going to get worse as it goes on I, I want to see Star Trek stay Star Trek. It's nice to have a light episode every now and then. You know, there there have been comedy episodes. I don't I don't know that I never I, I don't know that they ever need to do another musical episode. Um, I don't I don't think this is something that every show should do. Uh, nor do I think that Star Trek needs to explore the absolute boundaries of what they can do. You know, to, to, to quote Ian Malcolm, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. This was fun. This worked. But this but, could have been a massive train wreck, too. Sure, it could have been. But I guarantee you, they the reason they did this episode is because they wanted to do a musical. And then they figured out a way to do a musical yeah. in Star Trek. So, yeah, I mean, you've got to keep it interesting for the writers and the actors, too. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, don't just do it, you know don't pull a Xena and just decide that everybody's going to be a musical just because they want to do a musical with no explanation. But no, I, I, I think, Hey, we want to do a, this kind of thing. And then figuring out a way to do that thing within your show. is completely legitimate as a way to tell a story. I, you're, you're not wrong. I just don't want to see them going. All right. What's next week's gimmick? 
And then what's next week's gimmick? You know, we've had, uh, I, I saw somebody, uh, one of our, our listeners, Ollie, apparently they were 10 minutes into Subspace Rhapsody and his wife went, they've already had a gimmick episode this season. Why are we doing another one? Um, I think we got very lucky that the, the, the Lower Decks crossover and this episode were wonderful. They were tons of fun. But again, just because there's a gimmick doesn't mean it's going to work. And I would rather see Star Trek do Star Trek. And if... Okay, that's, gimmick, where, I want, you know. that's where I want to stop you. Okay. I don't know if, if now is the right time for this conversation because it's a large conversation. And maybe you guys have already had this conversation on a different podcast. What is What do you mean when you say, I want Star Trek to do Star Trek? What is Star Trek for you? Because it's different for everybody. And I know what it means for me, but like I said, I, but I also know at this point, having existed on the internet for however many years, that it means something different for everyone. You're absolutely so, right. So I don't think it's a legitimate argument to say, oh, this one was a gimmick, but that one was real Star Trek. Oh, this one is just a one-off. And that one didn't work. Oh, but this one is is really what it's all about, because those definitions are different for everybody. That's for some point. people, the only valid Star Trek is TOS. For others, it's TNG. And then other people are going to say, "Oh, it really got good with DS9." And then other people are going to say, "Well, DS9 is when it all went to hell." So there are so many differing opinions on that, and it it, it could be interesting for all of us to sit down and define to each other. What what do we mean when we say Star Trek? Because I know when I'm watching certain shows, I'm like, this just doesn't feel like Star Trek. So what does that mean? And again, it's a rhetorical question because I don't think we'll really have time to answer that right now, but I just want to flag anytime someone says that, that this isn't so-called Star Trek. You're absolutely right. Uh, and uh, I, I think we should have that conversation, and I think, I think we would all benefit from knowing what we mean when we say that. Because you're right, I don't have a hard and fast definition for that. Uh, and Star Trek has pretty much hit on almost every genre you can think of. So maybe a musical was about time. Uh, I'd, I'd need I'd need to think about that. I think that's a, that's a good idea for a future show, especially and in between seasons. Yeah, it can it can definitely be a uh, a bonus non episode review discussion. Um, and as far as genres, we'll have plenty of time uh, because I don't know if you guys have seen the announcement that coming in season three, we will be having a silent episode. Oh, cool! What? That's a lie. I made that up. We're not. Oh, we're not, oh, they're, not they're, they're not doing a silent episode. I just. I'm I was glad. just. I'm glad you made it up because I was about to be very upset with you. <laughs> <laughs> I just. I. I was prepared for that. Copy and paste my whole rant about sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I. I knew that it was gonna. Uh, it was gonna hit John Double for that reason. But no, I just picked another another uh, Buffy gimmick that I remember of them doing a silent episode. And I just threw that in there. Cause I thought it would be funny. Okay. 
I remember that Buffy episode too. That was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I'm gonna, you know, do a, a spinoff episode from uh, Neek's rant. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say rant. It wasn't actually a rant, but from her point, you know, people say uh, a gimmick episode, and it's it feels inherently um, dismissive, if not derogatory. Like, oh, it's a gimmick episode. Well, no. I mean, it's a gimmick episode if they do a thing and they don't try to make it a part of the show. It's not, to me, a gimmick episode if they have an idea to do something weird. The crossover... And, and Rick, you were like, well, we got lucky that the the Lower Decks crossover... And I don't, I don't mean... <laughs> I don't make sense. I'm just attacking you this whole show, but like, well, we got lucky that the that the crossover episode was good and the musicals. No, we we didn't get lucky. There were good writers and good actors. They decided that they wanted to do this kind of episode, and then they did it in a Star Trek way. That wasn't luck. That wasn't chance. They put in the time and effort. And no, it's not the, the shows weren't perfect, but they put in the time and effort to do. Hey, how can we do a whatever? Hey, how can we do this kind of show? and still make it a Star Trek show. That, to me, doesn't qualify as a gimmick. To me, a gimmick is fabricated or, or shoddy. It was an unusual premise, but they made the premise work. I, I don't totally agree with you, but I understand where you're coming from on that. And, and I, I dig it. Um, I, I think crossing over a live action show with an animated show is almost the definition of gimmick, but it worked. But you're right. I, 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 will, I will agree that they're risky. Yeah. I'll agree that they're taking swings. But And, and I appreciate gimmick that. Is if you do it and you don't try to make it work. If you don't really care about making it work. It's like a gimmick is like oh, this sitcom's losing steam. Let's throw a baby in there. Well, I, I think that's why when they announced they were doing a Lower Decks episode on Strange New Worlds, rather than going, oh, my God, and eye rolling t- so I could see the back of my skull, I was excited because whether or not I always agree with their choices on new Star Trek, I have always enjoyed the quality of the, the performances, eh, not always the writing. They don't always stick the landing on, on these shows, but the the quality is there, re- regardless of the, the 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 outcomes. And I thought, if any show is going to do a great crossover between an animated show and a live action show, it's going to be Strange New Worlds. And that's why I didn't, I purposely didn't dismiss out of hand the musical episode because I was like, if TNG had said they were going to do a, T- a, a music or a special or like Voyager. If Voyager said they were going to be a musical episode, I would have been like, "Oh, you've got to be freaking kidding me!" Um, because Voyager was notoriously uneven, but Strange New Worlds has been really spot on all the way through. Even in the episodes we didn't particularly care for, or we thought that the 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 you know like that that the one on Rigel Seven was. I think to me that was the low point in the season because um, of the, the whole forgetting thing it, it was just well it's 
and we talked about this, you know, it, it, it's, it's forgetting when, when we need it to be forgetting, but not when we need important plot points to be remembered. Um, but this show has never been bad. It's been, you know, less good, but never bad. It's like pizza, you know, there's no such thing as bad pizza. There's only better pizza. That's, that's college person talking. <laughs> um, so yeah, when I, 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 I don't mean to use the, the term gimmick as a dismissive so much as a, this is the hook we're, we're doing, we're doing this, which is something no one's ever, you know, no Star Trek show has ever done before. Star Trek, Star Trek has always been, and I'm, I'm digging, dipping a little bit into that, the, the conversation, but to me, Star Trek has always been a drama, a science fiction drama that occasionally has lighter moments and I'll I'll be I'll be the first to admit some of the comedy episodes have not worked for me I'm one of those heretics who was like if I never see the trouble with triples again I'll be fine it it kind of gets on my nerves after a while same with a piece of the action and and uh, TNG did better TNG did better the the menage a Troy was was much better but it's still I think I think Star Trek has always been at its best when it it does just a serious take on some social issue. Well, that's your opinion. That's my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we can expound on in the future when yeah. we do the what is real Star Trek episode eh, sometime between seasons, but for right now we're going to bring this episode to a close. Because someone has to go to sleep. Please do. <laughs> so we're going to go around the table. We're going to give everyone their chance to uh, to promote themselves. And you know what? I'm bringing it back. Rick, go yeah. plug yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me here on, of course, this that Star Trek podcast. You can also find me on Moonshow. 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 Uh, and occasionally on Captain Game Show and on the. Game uh, show. Uh, no. Game show. <laughs> and uh and on um um Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast, uh, which still is it's it's asleep, but it's not dead. It's alive. Um, it's still alive. And this show would have been started already if not for COVID, uh, but I will be premiering very soon a show called The Geekly World News. Uh, which will be my weekly take on all things genre news. Outstanding, Tom. No, do you have anything? Actually. Tom, do you have anything that you want to share? Would you like to plug yourself? Uh, 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 a shortened version of Rick List. Is you can find me uh, here on that metric podcast and occasionally on Cosmic Potato. And uh, that would conclude my credits at the moment. All right, Neek. Go plug yourself. Yeah, I guess I'd rather plug myself than have one of you do it. No! <laughs> More than fair. Um, you can listen to me hosting Moon Show. Moon Show. Right? Moon Show. Moon Show. Right here on the Infinite Potato Alliance. It's a For All Mankind podcast. And you can go to my website, superanemic.com, to read my comic recaps of Star Trek episodes. And finally, and you should. yes, everyone should. John, go
go ahead and tell us where people can find you on the internet. Suck up. I don't necessarily want to do that as much as I want to plug myself. <laughs> uh, what you can find on the internet, sorry. All right, so uh, host the Captain Game Show. Game Show. <laughs> Game Show. Game Show. Show your wordplay podcast on the Infinite Potato Alliance Network. Um, also occasionally pairing on uh, all the other shows mentioned, including and not limited to um, Moon Show and Cosmic Moon Show Fan Talk Podcast. Um, uh, oh, I did have one more note that I didn't get to. Uh, at the very beginning, when uh, Chapel gets the, her acceptance letter and, and she's like, oh, I have to talk to Spock. And then the voiceovers, unfortunately, we have another communications failure. That was good. <laughs> I didn't catch that. That's very clever. It was good. I, it was good. I missed it, that. It, it's, it's not quite as good as the Mbenga knife thing, but it's, it's, it's up there. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. We also didn't mention how wonderfully supportive Ortegas was to Chapel. Sure. Yeah, she wasn't being snarky the whole time. Well, she was just like, open the goddamn letter. Shut up. <laughs> Well, she's yeah. always been a really good friend to Christine. Yeah. yeah. Ortega's a good friend. But the, since we brought it up, <laughs> uh, I was annoyed that during the opening number, everyone else is doing their job in song, and it goes to Ortega. She's like, I'm the, I'm the pilot of the ship. <laughs> I, this is my job. This is my realm. I'm like, this is not about you right now. Can you? <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have stood out so much if she wasn't the only one who did it. Well, to me, I saw that as a callback to her. I'm Erica Ortega and I fly the ship. No, it was. I know. Yeah, but, but it wasn't. This didn't time need to either. For that. Yeah. Like, the ship's not going anywhere right now. <laughs> and, and that brief bit showed that she had some uh, chop. She, okay. Sure. I think if they'd given her more, she could have done a great song. Yeah, I don't think any. Again, I don't think anyone did a bad job. Even Mbenga, I mean, he's clearly not the greatest singer, but he did fine. I think yeah. I feel like everyone did fine for you know what they what they needed to do. Well, I think I think the 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 writers did a good job of giving the actors what they could handle. Mm-hmm. You can find me on various shows here <laughs> on the Infinite Potato Alliance, hosting or as a panelist. And outside of podcasting, you can check out my graphic artwork on my very own website, www.planetrisecreative.com. And with that, we're going to bring this episode to, uh, episode to an actual end, end, end. You think? Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for hopefully subscribing to the show. And join us next week. Please. Big shut up. And join us next week as we discuss the Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2 finale, Episode 10, titled hegemony goodbye it's like hurting cat. I didn't mute myself <laughs> no I muted you I, you thought I was kidding <laughs> <laughs>